we want to know that we have so much power in romance and sex. I mean, biologically we do. We have that turn on and that sensual energy that's, that's biological. Men respond to that. They don't have it in their own bodies. So we, like us being turned on and having what we want and knowing how to ask for that in a way that has the guy feel really like a hero, like, hey, you're awesome. Would you do this? I want this. Here's how I want it to go. Us valuing ourselves and that power is the first step to getting what we want. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis marmette We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello, and welcome to episode 140 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we have a quick announcement for you. Our seven-day fall functional medicine liver detox is starting this Sunday, September 18th, and there's still time to sign up. Fall is the perfect time to reset your liver and get ready for the rest of 2022. This liver detox, it boosts immunity, it reduces toxic load in the body, bloating, you get an increase in energy, and you can improve your digestion in just one week. You'll really learn to tune into your body's unique needs and walk away with a set of tools and a better understanding of your own body. Plus, you'll feel so proud of your accomplishment. So we start Sunday, September 18th. If you're local, reach out to us. You can sign up on our website, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can pick up your kit locally. If you're not local, message us or sign up and we will send your kit out to you. Even if you have to start a day or two late, it's no big deal. So we would love to have you join us um, in this wonderful detox community. And now I'm so excited to welcome Alicia Davon. Alicia supports singles and couples in having thrilling love and sex lives. Alicia, along with her husband, Erwan, has become the go-to expert for those seeking a higher level of relationship support. She specializes in supporting singles in getting into passionate and successful relationships and helping couples take their relationship to new heights of romance and intimacy. Alicia holds a master's degree in integral psychology with a focus on women's romantic and sensual expression. She trained as a therapist before meeting Erwan and led numerous women's groups devoted to female pleasure and life fulfillment from career to relationship. She met Erwan 20 years ago and started teaching with him soon after. She's based in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she provides a high-end boutique service that gives her clients an effective way to enhance their relationships. She and Erwan offer all of their coaching and classes online, and they support students all over the world. In today's conversation, we talk about how couples can bring back their chemistry in a long-term relationship. We talk about what are some of the key elements to a successful relationship, and we dive into the difference between what is considered sensual and what is erotic and also how a women can get what they want out of a relationship and really communicate their needs and desires to their partner. This is an eye-opening and powerful conversation, and we're excited to dive right in. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Shield Your Body. Shield Your Body is a company that makes products to shield your body against electromagnetic frequency or EMF radiation from modern technology. Did you know that all modern technology is a source of EMF radiation? Cell phones, laptops, Wi-Fi, even your refrigerator is a source of EMF radiation. 
and each year we are exposed to more and more EMFs. There are literally thousands of high quality peer reviewed scientific studies demonstrating clear links between exposure to EMF radiation and a wide range of negative health effects from anxiety and infertility to sleep disruption and cancer. Fortunately, there are easy ways that you can reduce your EMF exposure right now that cost you absolutely nothing. After reading the Shield Your Body Guide, I stopped using my AirPods, something I used daily for hours sometimes and have switched back to the old school wired headphones. And for me, after reading the Shield Your Body Guide, I really put my foot down and insisted that my kids keep their cell phones and their laptops out of their bedrooms at night while they were sleeping. And I've been working on Jordan as well. And I think after reading the guide and listening to our podcast, he has finally agreed to do that. So download your copy of a free guide at shieldyourbody.com to start improving your health right now. And be sure to check out our episode number 123 with R. Blank, CEO of Shield Your Body. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. I know we connected online and we are just so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So Alicia, everyone has a story and we would love to hear your journey of how you went from starting out as a therapist to developing a more unique approach to relationship coaching that really combined your educational background in psychology and some aspects of Zen Buddhism. And now you provide a holistic method to improving connection with self and with others. So... I entered my education in one aspect, kind of the same way a lot of people do. Like I graduated from high school and I went to college in Santa Barbara. And what was unusual was I really didn't expect this. I mean, I grew up with two parents, a brother in a suburb of LA and super just wonderful, stable, loving upbringing, right? Which I know I'm really lucky to have had. And I didn't expect that when I would get to college, I would be so like, what is this? What is life all about? Who am I? I was not having the easiest time making friends. I missed my parents. I just sort of had this crisis. (laughs) Who am I? What the heck? So I went into therapy at a really young age. I think young, 19. And that was the beginning of my journey into, okay, what is beyond just the norm, like the conventional way to go through life. So I just started discovering feminine spirituality workshops and learning all about being a woman, what that could mean and what the possibilities were. So from a young age, I was getting really into psychology and I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology. And then after a few years, I went back to graduate school to become a therapist. I was like, okay, I was in therapy. That was amazing. I need to go help other people. And I went to a really great graduate school here in the Bay Area, and it was a holistic studies school. So we were studying all this cool stuff. I mean, not just the clinical stuff about how to be a therapist, but, you know, eco-psychology and the psychology of music and all sorts of really cool topics that were expanding my mind. And I found myself getting very interested in female sexuality and how that intersected with psychology. And I remember being kind of holed up in the library, trying to find things written about female sexuality. And I could barely find anything that was modern and interesting. And one day, a woman who's still one of my best friends from my program, Shana said, Alicia, I just met this man and his name is Erwan Davon. And he teaches these classes and one's called the pleasure course. And it's about spirituality, but psychology, but sex, but romance, like you got to meet this guy. (laughs) I was like, take me to this guy, you know? And so she brought me over to his house where he and his apartment in San Francisco was leading this group where like a bunch of people were packed in his living room, 
doing these communication games and kind of connecting with each other. And I remember walking into his apartment and suddenly feeling like I like came onto a drug or something. I mean, everybody was sober to my knowledge, right? It was sort of a natural connection high, but I was like, these are my people. This is so fun. So long story short, after I got out of the relationship I was in, I reconnected with Erwan like six months later because I thought he was super cute when I first met him. And we started dating. And I asked him if I could visit one of his classes that he teaches. And so that was when I first went into the pleasure course, which is a um, kind of a weekend intensive for singles and couples all about romance and sex. And I was just blown away by how deep the conversation went and the transformation people were having, but also how fun it was. And that distinguished it from therapy for me. So I was two thirds of the way through my program and I actually decided to switch and not become a therapist. I finished my master's, but instead really wanted to do something more like he was doing. So I basically joined his organization so I could work with singles and couples around romance, sex, but within a context of spirit and depth and personal growth work. So that's how I got into it. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool how you like it. No, exactly how there's this like intersection of all these different aspects. Like you said, the spirituality and the psychology and the feminism and all that. And then the, the sexual, you know, coaching, if you will, and we'll get it, we'll get into that. And can I just ask how many years ago, this was a while ago, right? This was he was back, already doing this. He was, you know, Erwan, I mean, he's just got an incredible past, like the opposite past of me, like just traumatic childhood. I won't go into all the details, but just very rough, kind of grew up in Manhattan in New York City after emigrating from France and all sorts of stuff happened, right? So he's kind of a self-made man. He really just studied and learned so much. And he founded our organization 10 years before I met him. So he was already doing it. Then in 2002 is when we met. And then, you know, the next year was kind of when I started working in his organization. Wow. I feel like he's like well ahead of his time. You know, he's, he's so <laughs> both of you are, but yeah, no, he, cause he started this really young and he's stuck with it. And I'm just impressed and also happy that I didn't have to get a business off the ground. (laughs) He had already done that by the time I found him. (laughs) And you're still working together just, you know, in and of itself as a husband and wife team. That's impressive, right? (laughs) Thank you. I'm proud. (laughs) That's our biggest challenge is the working relationship. So it's, we've grown a lot. Well, we have so many questions. Um, I'm thinking we should just dive right in. Um, so let's talk about couples first, like couples that have been together for a long time. Um, you know, maybe when they were young and they were starting out, things were passionate and exciting. And now, you know, it's 30 years later and you have grown children and, or maybe you have little kids even, and you're exhausted. So how can couples kind of get that chemistry back that they had in those early days or what, what would be a secret to a successful love life where they, you know, feel like they're turned on. So what you're describing is basically what most couples are going through that have either been together for a long time. And then you add kids or you add health issues or you add jobs and all those adulting responsibilities and couples just get distracted from each other and generally why they got together in the first place. You know, I mean, there's very rare situations I see where it was an arranged marriage or something, but most people got together because they have the hots for each other at some point, you know, that's why they're together. So that's what most couples come to us with that complaint of decreased chemistry. So if anybody's like, I have that, like every, most everybody else has that too. So The first thing that I would recommend would be to um, talk about that, to say it. You know, sometimes it sort of goes unsaid. People notice that they're having less and less sex, less and less um, romantic time with each other. So 
to say it, whoever notices it, Hey, like, I, I love you. I miss you. I feel like our romantic vibe is just not what it used to be. You know, let's do something about it. It's important to be nice about it. When you say it, it can be sort of a sensitive issue. Someone might feel like they're being blamed or someone might complain. So you can kind of be as loving about it. Then the other person will be more open to it. So that's the first step. Second step is to know that, you know, even if, you know, you're someone who's gone through um, either childbirth, so your hormones are just different, or you're just simply getting older, so your hormones are different, your body works differently, your body is totally capable of feeling chemistry again. It's not a function of physical as much as it is just mental distraction. You know, it's like when you don't engage in something for a long time, it just sort of dries out. So people kind of worry like, oh, I don't feel turned on or I'm not as lubricated during sex or maybe erectile stuff or whatever it is. Most of that stuff is psychological a little bit. Things change, of course, with age and hormones, but you're capable of it. So creating the time and the space is, is the next thing. Most people are so busy and distracted and then they're exhausted by the time they get home. And it's hard to just think of connecting, right? So what Erwin and I do is in our calendar, at least five times a week, sometimes six, in our calendar at 9.15 a.m. for us is our pleasure time. It's in our calendar, so people might think, well, scheduled sex or scheduled romantic time is so calculated or whatever, but it's kind of like, well, would you like to have more time or, you know, or would you like to not, do you want to be spontaneous and not have a lot of time or do you want to plan it and have more time together? So you said five to six days a week. Yeah. I'm not saying people have to do that. We are like, we're sort of extreme about it because we teach it and we love it. And it's just very built into our life, but it, one or two times a week, you know, and I'm not just talking date night, date night's great, you know, to have time to go and go out to dinner or whatever. But I mean, like pleasure time, it does not have to be intercourse. I'll describe more what can be done during this time, but just to have like some space, like half hour, 45 minutes longer, if you want to just be together, uninterrupted, undistracted. And I've heard you share this before. So I'd love for you to like share your morning routine as you want to call it. And Marnie and I talk about morning routines. We haven't incorporated this into our lives yet. Yeah. And my mind is spinning but, right now. Okay. I so, know. So Take talk about call. it. Go have pleasure time. Make a smoothie. Yeah, no, I love, I'm obsessed with my morning routine. So, and, and just keep in mind, you know, if somebody's listening and they're like 915, that will never work for me because my partner's been at work for two hours. Don't worry. It's all about just carving out the time that works. But what works for us is we have our own company. It's things are flexible. So what I do typical day is um, my son gets up, you know, I get him up at like 6.15, his school starts, I have to get him there at 7.45. So he and I are hanging out, my husband's a night owl, I'm an early bird, so I take the morning, you know, he, we hang out, we have breakfast, I get him to school, I come home, or I, I do my workout after that, because Erwan is still sleeping, because he's lucky, and I do my whole workout, and then around 9, 9.15, I just go downstairs, get back into bed with him. And there's these, I'll take a step away from the morning routine just to kind of bring something in here, which are touching practices. A lot of couples, they want to get the romantic vibe and the sexual vibe back, but they're kind of like, okay, if it's been a while, or we're we're busy doing other things. So like hopping in bed and having intercourse is like, you're kind of far from that, right? It's going from zero to a hundred. We've designed a set of touching practices. There's about 12 that couples can engage in 
to just start physically connecting again. And they range, like there's some, like one's called deep touch that really is one person sitting up, the other person laying down, the person sitting up puts their hand on their partner's heart and abdomen. And you're just kind of breathing and you have some new agey music on in the background or whatever. And you're just touching and not sexual then it can progress to something more sensual. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that it can look, but the way that it starts with Erwan and me is I'll usually kind of give him some deep touch, like wake up (laughs) and then we'll kind of cuddle and then we'll progress into something sensual. So I can be more detailed if you want to, but that whole thing takes about half hour, 45 minutes. It's not that long but we do something sensual every day. Wow. I'll stop there. And he's not like, oh my God, I need to get up. I need to make my coffee. I need to go take this call. Like it seems like you guys are both very chill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's intense, obviously running an organization together. Our work is very intense, but it also, we can schedule it how we want. And so some mornings, one of us has to go do something, but most mornings, I mean, he doesn't have anything like scheduled, scheduled until after 10. Um, same with me. I mean, I, I love this. I mean, I'm curious, like, how does this impact the rest of your day? Like doing this in the morning mm-hmm. and your relationship because, yeah. It sets the tone. It sets the tone for the day. It's, it's like anything, right? I mean, if you're meditating or you work out in the morning, whatever it sets the tone. So it kind of establishes like we are, we are lovers. You know, this is, yes, we're parents. Yes, we're business partners. Yes, we own a home, but first things first. So it's nice. I mean, it sends me off into the day feeling my body and gratified and helps me go into whatever else I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I think- like you said, find the time that works for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you get the flip side where you're exhausted and tired and you have a racing mind. So, yeah, I, I love this idea in the morning if you can fit it into your fit it into your schedule. Yeah, any time is good, though. You know, if, if evening is the only time, it can be a nice time to even wind down and just at least get some physical touch in there. So. Absolutely. Um So what are the five key elements to a successful relationship? I know this is something that you guys work through when you're working with people and we'll talk more about how you do that later on. Mm -hmm. Yes. So over the last, I mean, me 20 years, Erwan 30 years, we've basically been studying our students and ourselves besides our formal education and different um, disciplines and everything. And we've found that there's five key elements to create a successful relationship life, whether you're in one right now or you're looking to get into one. So these are the five parts of our method that we teach. And the first part is consciousness. They all start with C. Okay. So the first one's consciousness. And what that is, is bringing consciousness or awareness to our hidden relationship patterns. It's a psychological piece where all of us as human beings. I mean, we carry our pasts into the present and the way we were raised and what we witnessed and what we were taught when we were young. It, it, it just is how we see the world. That's just how we are. So it's not bad, but it's limiting, right? I mean, if you just random example, I mean, if you were in a home growing up and your one of your parents left, you know, when you were young, like that's going to imprint you. You're going to go into your romantic relationships thinking, well, they're going to leave at some point or can't trust men or got to be independent and like not trust anybody. You know, we carry these things. So it's important to bring light so that you're not just being driven unconsciously by those things. So that's what I mean by consciousness. The second part is contact which means making deep contact with yourself, like your deepest self. There's so many words for it, you know, your spirit or your soul, or people have religious names for it or really whatever you want to call it. But there's that, that 
real true us outside of conditioning. Those two things set a really nice foundation for then learning, right? If you have awareness of your patterns, you're contacted with yourself. The third part is chemistry. So that's learning how to create chemistry between the masculine and the feminine, like deliberately, you know, because we often are kind of victimized by chemistry. We think, oh, well, it was there. And like, now it's not. So I guess I'm going to find someone else or it's over. No, you can actually interact with each other in a way that creates it. So that's the third. The fourth we call choreography, which refers to dancing through the stages of relationship successfully. So we've designed, um, designed a sort of roadmap to relationship that outlines the different stages and the skills necessary for each stage. And learning all those skills will have you be more successful as you move through the stages. And then the fifth one is cultivation of your sexual potential. So this is the aspect of our work that addresses sex, uh, orgasm, how to extend orgasm and pleasure, you know, how to touch, that type of thing. Wow. I mean, all of these, I just think are great. And I haven't really heard them laid out. Like, I mean, obviously you guys have taken all your experience and education and um, I think the first two are so important, but it seems like that could be a lot of work for it's people. Heavy lifting. That's probably where your psychology background comes into play. So how does something, I mean, how do you recommend someone even diving into those two? I mean, working with you and we can start to dive into how you do that, but yeah, the, the those easiest, are foundational. Totally. I mean, it really is the heavy lifting and both of us have degrees in psychology and a lot of experience with it. And we've just found that you need it, you know? I mean, it's not all about kind of processing your past. I mean, that can kind of get heavy after a while and and that's it's important to do. But if we just taught people like tips and tricks and ooh, you know, then nothing sticks because our patterning is just so much stronger than that. So yes, we support people in that, but anybody can get started just by looking at what patterns tend to repeat in your relationships? So do you, and this takes a lot of like humility and really looking because some of us tend to think we're the right one and you know it's always our partner's fault or our relationships end the same way every single time because you know we leave because they suck or like we're always broken up with or whatever. Are you often feeling unseen? Do you feel superior in relationships? Are you always trying to please? You know, you, you just sort of look like what patterns tend to repeat. That's where you would start to notice what we call the relationship blueprint, like your fundamental patterning. That's the beginning of that. Wow. How long does this process take? Like to go through steps one through five, what is the typical length of time? a really good question. It depends on how deeply you want to go into it. I mean, Erwan and I, I mean, we've been teaching for so long and we are constantly developing new material and new ways to explore these five pieces. And so at one point, you know, one answer could be, it's really just a consistent learning process. We have some students that have been with us for over 10 years and not because they're trying to work and work and work and get to the being perfect or something. It's more that it's such a dynamic, open inquiry. You know, this whole experience of being alive and being in relationship, it can grow over time. I will also say, though, I mean, we have weekend intensives that people can take to really dive deeply into this. We have year-long weekly group courses we have ongoing private coaching. So I'm not giving you a straight answer, really. Um, it just sort of depends on how deeply you want to go into it. And I think it's like what Marnie and I do as health coaches, you know, some people just need a little bit because mm -hmm. they've done the work before and others, you're kind of starting from square one and everyone's journey is different. 
Yeah. And so, and I, and you're, you're really peeling back the layers and getting to the root cause by going through steps one and two first and yeah. not just saying, oh, here, just do that. Here's some tips. Here's some suggestions. Mm-hmm. And so I love, I love the approach. It's very similar to how we work with clients. So mm-hmm. yeah, interesting, interesting parallel. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I have so many questions. I'm wondering, okay, let's, let's talk about a single person for a minute. Cause I know we've talked a lot about couples in the last few minutes. If we talk about a single person or a divorced person who's getting back into, you know, the dating scene, and obviously it's changed a lot since we were all younger and now there's a lot going on online. And, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are in that situation today and it's, it's really hard out there. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you attract the right person when you're single? It's so true. I mean, Erwin and I did not online date, you know, we met before that. So I've never online dated. I've been studying it a lot, you know, because uh, out of necessity to support our students. And it's, it's true that it can be kind of rough out there. And some of the same principles apply that I was sharing about couples, for example, um, creating the time and the space. So it, it really is, and back to the couples for a minute, it's about prioritization, you know, there's always something that's going to seem to be getting in the way, right? Couples, I'll go back to singles in a second, but you know, there's like, oh, but we have this, we have that. And I get it, right? We, we have a kid too, and there's a million things. But at some point, if you want your romantic life to improve, to be like, hey, you know, I am making the time for this, like exercise or something, you know? I mean, so with a single person, devoting time and space to putting themselves out there is a really good idea. So that might look like, um, you know, especially since things are more open now, maybe two times a week or three times a week, having some social event or some occasion or some go with a girlfriend to the cool art, art gallery and intend to chat up some guys or, um, go to a, house party or, you know, go to a meetup and it can feel like murder sometimes. It's sort of like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to go out and, you know, and it feels awkward and like a drag. And if you can just sort of let that happen and do it anyways, like getting back into exercise or something, it's okay to not want to, if your bigger want is to meet somebody. So Getting in person, getting out in person regularly is a big deal. If you're going to use online platforms to meet people, I wouldn't try to get on five apps. Like you will just be exhausted, you know, ask around, find one or two, get off the app as quickly as possible. Like in your profile, put exactly what you're looking for, put a few great realistic pictures of you, put what you're about, get, meet few people, get off the app. Don't banter back and forth. It's exhausting. And, um, well, I'll stop there to see if you have any questions. That's kind of how to start with it. No, I don't have any questions. I think those are great ideas. I think, like you said, it's creating the time and the space. I think that's probably the biggest issue that all of us, I shouldn't say all, many of us face. Yes. Um, whether you're married, in a relationship, single, whatever whatever you are, right? Um, it's making it a priority. Yes. Because when you make it a priority, I mean, things, they don't just happen magically, but they happen much more easily. And just to know things like, Uh, I obviously, you know, love spending time with our son. I want to be with him like all the time, even when I don't want to, I do. And we, you know, we want to give our kids everything, those of us that are parents. And it's so good for them in my experience to see, you know, if if there's two parents there that you're really making time for each other, you know, that there's a solid parental unit situation going on that the kids fight to be the center of attention, especially when they're younger, but like they really like it when they're kind of not. Um, and if you're a single parent, 
making time for yourself and your personal life, your kids seeing that as a good thing. Well, and I think that gets back to, you know, like unpacking some of the things from our past and as parents, what we want our kids to see us with our, whether we're dating or whether we have a, you know, a partner, what do we want to model for them and how will that then impact their relationships going forward, you know? so that maybe they don't find themselves in this situation that I think a lot of us in this day and age, just given the conversations that probably didn't happen back then when I'm speaking of our generation, looking at the two of you. Um, so thinking about, you know, thinking about that as well. And maybe some of it gets into, you know, another question we have is just like, how can women get what they want out of their relationship? And how can men figure out what they want? Because I think that's something too, in it when it dives into the, the modeling, you know, I love those questions and it, it opens up a really fun arena of masculine feminine dynamics. And it's very charged, you know, especially nowadays. I mean, we're transitioning from, you know, I don't know, the 1950s and like macho machismo men and women are subservient and we're fighting against that. And, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. So whoever's listening might be like, I'm triggered by this conversation because it is triggering kind of trying to figure out who we are in all of that. And I feel like it's hard the way that things are in the kind of masculinity, femininity domain, that the climate is just a little strange because it's almost like we can't win, right? Like men are supposed to be you know, sensitive and unoffensive, but strong and you know powerful at the same time and women are supposed to be independent and not need anybody and but also sexual and surrender and it's sort of like what the heck are we all supposed to do so that's a whole other big topic but I'll well, say and that. I, I would just say to your point like and sometimes you know I want to be in charge and like yeah. doing all the stuff in the house and whatever and kind of taking charge of our world, meaning what my kids are doing and what, what, just what's going on in our house. But then sometimes I do not want to be in charge and I want my husband to take charge and like figuring that balance out. Like when, I mean, he has no idea what I'm, what's going on in my head. And frankly, (laughs) I have no idea what's going on in his head. So like how to figure out, you know, when I want to be in charge and when I don't want to be in charge and Mm -hmm how, you know, that masculine, feminine, and all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. Cause we do, we all have masculinity and femininity within us. Right. And there's so much in what you just said. And if we focus on, let's say the romantic realm, you know, the romantic sensual realm, I always recommend that people kind of go to whichever pole they're drawn to. Like, um, Commonly, not always, but commonly, romantically, women or the feminine person in the in the equation kind of wants to relax or surrender and let the other person have their strength and receive pleasure. Often, the man or the masculine role kind of wants to be the the initiator or whatever. It's kind of like you just think about ideally. Would I like to be the one bringing the flowers or would I like to be the one receiving the flowers? And just whatever your hit is, go in that direction. And nothing's fixed. There's no fixed roles. It doesn't mean one person can never receive flowers or something, but you just want to see if you can block out the noise of all of the shoulds and, okay, everything has to be so equal and homogenized and men have to be the woman and the man and vice versa and just go to where you're drawn and women or the feminine person in the relationship, if it's two men or two women, we are like the heat source of the relationship and the romance. This is to your question about how do we get what we want? We want to know that we have so much power in romance and sex. I mean, biologically we do. We have that turn on and that sensual energy that's that's biological. And if we're talking about male, female right now, kind of more hetero 
conversation, men respond to that. They don't have it in their own bodies. So we, like us being turned on and having what we want and knowing how to ask for that in a way that has the guy feel really like a hero, like, hey, you're awesome. Would you do this? I want this. Here's how I want it to go. Us valuing ourselves and that power is the first step to getting what we want. Sometimes we've been taught to defer. And I'm not talking about being a demanding bitch or something, but I'm just saying like really valuing what you want and then asking for it is how to get what you want. It's also how to clue, it's also how to clue the guy in to what you want. Because men, many men, not all men are kind of clueless, right? Like they just don't really know. I agree. I think this is like a common communication barrier with women mm-hmm. and not ask. Well, one, I think it's tapping into what we want and getting clear about what makes us happy and pleasured right. and then being able to communicate it. Right. And have those conversations. Um, but I love just what you said about like really valuing ourselves and our, our power as females. Um, yes. I think that's really powerful. Mm. Um, so I feel like we have a million more questions, Marnie and I would love to ask. I think we're, you're going to have to come on the show again, but we're, we really want to talk to you about this extended orgasm technique that you and Erwan developed and how you work with people to achieve this 15 minute orgasm, which, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, wow, that's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and actually in part two to that question, when you say that, is it an orgasm for both? Like the man and the woman? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, let me, yes. Okay. So where's the best place to start? Okay. Men and women are obviously capable of orgasm and this thing that we're calling extended orgasm. So I'll first say um, a lot of people struggle with orgasm. You know, sometimes people feel like I especially women, like I can't have one or it's hard to get there or I can only have one by myself, but not with my partner. Um, Other women might be like, yeah, I have have orgasms and I want more. I'd love to know how to extend it. And so wherever you are is, is just so common. And our bodies are very capable of orgasm in the body spread out over time. The way that we're defining orgasm is much like Masters and Johnson from I think the 60s, these sex researchers that actually researched what's happening during an orgasm. They they clinically studied it and they found that the body is um, exhibiting certain signs There's about 12 of them, but it includes, of course, um, involuntary contractions of the genitals. And then there's, um, you know, a light sheen of perspiration on the skin and flushing of the skin, um, engorgement of the erectile tissue and lips, nipples, genitals, um, increased heart rate. For women, they call it a pregnancy mask. It's darkness around the eyes. Um, There's a few other signs, right? And so they, they said, okay, when a person's exhibiting all of these signs, they are an orgasm, which is really cool because then you can observe these signs. So then Erwan, way before we got together, he was studying Taoism and Tantra and all sorts of ancient sensual practices coupled with Masters and Johnson's research and some other things. And they found that not only can a person, let's just talk about women for a minute, have that climax orgasm, right? That occurrence where there's sort of a buildup of of arousal. And then to a certain point, you go up and over an edge called a climax. What we commonly know is an orgasm. And then all of those symptoms are observable, not symptoms, but signs. We can actually, our bodies are capable when relaxed enough and aroused enough to 
our body involuntarily goes into a, like a state of, of pleasure and orgasm, not just an occurrence of 10 seconds that we got to often by tensing up, but waves of pleasure, you know, centered in the genitals, but really flowing throughout the rest of the body. But that's possible when we're relaxed enough and aroused enough. So that's when extended orgasm was uh, was born <laughs> or discovered. And we've developed it a lot over time in terms of, okay, what's the optimal way to achieve that? Which for women, manual stimulation, clitoral stroking, we've found it's not the only way, you know, we're not rigid about any of this, right? But it's a very optimal way to be able to... Um, experience that because your the extended orgasm technique is when let's say the woman is lying down completely relaxed and a man or her partner is stroking her clitoris so she is relaxed she's being aroused and her body can go into that state very easily the biggest blocker to that is the mind this technique is not too complicated. I've never met a woman in my 20 years of doing this whose body was not capable. It's just our minds when we have blocks to pleasure and orgasm, which is kind of good news because sometimes we can feel like, ah, something's wrong with my body. You know, no, it's, it's just conditioning and psychology, which can be worked through. So I'll stop there. <laughs> that was a lot that I said. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. So, so many questions and I've, you know, in doing our, our research on this, we know that you teach this in your programs, in your like in-person workshops or courses that you do. Right. So, I mean, is there, I guess, into, maybe you can even answer Marnie's question too about, so how are both people getting stimulated if the woman is the one that's sort of experiencing this pleasure for 15 minutes. I'm just curious, like how this all yeah. comes about. You know, it, it seems, it's, like you said, it's an easy technique. It's one that can be learned. Um, obviously getting out, of the, getting out of your head and just into your body and being relaxed is, you know, a, a challenge in and of itself. Yes. <laughs> for, for many women, especially parents out there. Um, so maybe you can just go into that a little bit. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say um, is that many people come to work with us who aren't necessarily coming to learn extended orgasm. Like we mostly focus on romantic relationships, communication, getting into relationship, all of those things. Um, extended orgasm is one of our specialties. And we've also found that learning this technique, this, it's not really, I don't know, this practice and practicing it as part of your sensual life is the fast track to chemistry. The clitoris is, it's the pleasure center. Um, and again, I know I'm leaning towards kind of heterosexual relationships. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, but in that kind of dynamic, when a woman is really, pleasured it brings turn on into the relationship and the man gets turned on more easily it's the source and so we don't so and the other thing I'll say is um we have one program where we really train people in this it's a private program so it's just us and another couple our other programs are mostly online. They don't involve any nudity on anybody's part. Um, and sometimes we'll show demonstration videos of us practicing the technique to show people what they can do on their own. I just want to say that. So um, it's, it's done. We teach it as a, um, it's not both people being stimulated at the same time. You can do that. That's always fun. It's a little more advanced. But the way that we teach it is if we're talking man-woman relationship, the man stimulating the woman, the man learning how to stroke her clitoris, communicate with her, her learning how to really relax, ask for what she wants, experience that pleasure, the practice can definitely go the other way 
where she's stimulating the man. Men are totally capable of having extended orgasm. It's a little different because it's ultimately easier, I think, for us as women to feel pleasure in our bodies. This is biologically, we're wired up that way. And then men kind of pick that up and respond to it, whether they're responding to an image in their head or a video of a woman or an actual woman with them. So that's why we focus on female pleasure, but it's not to the exclusion of male pleasure. That makes a lot of sense. So that's so basically, if someone that's listening to this is interested in learning these techniques or this, it's a technique, right? They need to book like a private session. Is that what I'm understanding? Not quite because the program where we teach people this technique is pretty advanced. And so people usually like to do one of our other courses first, or they'll do some private coaching that's more talking, but we can show them some videos. In some of our, in our weekly course, Mastery of Relationship, and in our weekend course, The Pleasure Course, we show you know, video demonstrations, we teach about extended orgasm. Um, it usually kind of takes some of that first so that people are like, okay, I get what you're talking about. I want to learn that. Uh, maybe they've, we've trained them in some of those touching practices I talked about earlier that are not necessarily starting with clitoral stroking, but they can lead up to it. And then people are usually like, okay, I really want to learn this because the actual high level program to learn this is like a very big commitment. It's an intensive, it's, it's like a big deal and people can start with it if they want to, but people generally like to work with us a little first because the extended orgasm practice involves all of those other parts of our method. It involves, you know, handling your mind and your conditioning and your openness and ability to communicate and your connection. It's not divorced from those things. It's almost right. like well, the capstone event. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the final event before you graduate. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and people don't need to stress themselves out like they should reach that or, you know, no, I'm, just, people never yeah. it's I'm just joking yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, you know, but it is like a culmination of all of the different skills and, and it's so fun, you know, I mean, once you kind of get over the like, wow, wow, really? Like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe, I mean, I feel like we're going to have to start wrapping up this conversation, but um, maybe you can talk a little bit about just a little high level about your pleasure course and the mastery of relationship course, because we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. just to give people an idea of how they can reach out and work with you. Yeah, sure. So the mastery of relationship is our most popular class. Like it's where most people start when they start working with us and it's an online weekly group experience. So there's you know about 40 people in it, both singles and couples, like dedicated people, you know, to their love lives and sex lives. Some have never done anything like this before. Some have been with us for a long time. And it's you, know, you learn skills, you hear us talking about stuff, there's breakout rooms, there's uh, meditation. So we cover all of the different aspects of having a great relationship life. So that is where we recommend most people start. And then the pleasure course is a weekend intensive online that we do two or three times a year. And that's kind of like um, a deep dive for two days into all of these different topics. There is one in the fall. So there, it'll be probably late September, early October. Um, we also have private coaching, you know, for people that want like talking coaching. Um, they can work with me or with Erwan. Um, yeah. So, you know, if anybody really wants to learn more about what we do, I'm happy to do a consultation. It's free. You know, we can just hop on a call or on zoom and you can share with me what your goals are, what your challenges are. And, you know, I can work with you a little bit and make a recommendation as to what would be the best direction to go. So I have a question about that. So when you, let's say people are signing up for your weekend intensive course and you're in a relationship, do both people attend or 
just one person from the group. It's up to you. I mean, if both people are there, that's great because you'll both. What's typical? It, you know, it's total, it's, I would say, so there's singles and couples in our courses and it's probably like 60, 40 or, you know, something to singles, 60, 40% couples. Um, although our last pleasure course was almost all couples. So it, it just varies. Um, and then in the couples category, 75% come with their partner, but 25% don't. And it works perfectly well if one person really wants to just start learning and bringing that information into their relationship. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to do I mean, it better. Okay. But it yeah. seems like it may, I guess it just depends on your, your relationship. Yeah, I mean, drive what works. Yeah, I mean, it's great because being open to growing and developing your relationship is a really good thing to have because then you know Mm -hmm. things are not going to get stale. Like you're both there. But if one person's like, I don't know about that, and the other person's like, I want to do this, do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so cool. That's great. I was just going to say, so, and tell us where people can find you exactly. So for people that want to know more, or they want to set up a consultation to talk to me two ways. So you can either text our school, which is 415-308-9580. It's 415-308-9580. Or you can, I'll give you a link. People can click to fill out a form and just I'll get an email that says you you want your consultation and then I'll email you to set it up. Just say you heard about it on this podcast. And you can also find us on our website. It's pleasurecourse.com. Our Instagram and TikTok is at Dave on method. Awesome. And one, one question, um, we love leaving our listeners with some tips and I know you've peppered in so many things throughout but I think this could be like almost overwhelming for people. Yeah, so you know, much. <laughs> is there one, what's one thing that a person can do right away to start to have a more fulfilling sex life? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'll cheat and say two things. So one thing is make time and space for it. Just make time and space for it. It's a little mundane, but it's, True. Even if it's like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, a, this is cliche, but like a bubble bath three times a week or whatever, or I'm going to, you know, flirt with my partner. Or I'm going to initiate sex, whatever, make time and space for it. And then the other thing you can do is just start to notice what you love that is not for production, but it's for pleasure. <laughs> you know, what are the types of things that you really love doing just for the pleasure of it and do more of those things. And you're not talking about just sexually, right? Just in general, or are you talking yeah. about like sensually? You know, like yeah. just okay. whether you like, yeah, it could be it could be purely sexual. Like, oh, I want to, you know, self pleasure more. I want to, you know, but it could also be that you want to, you know, take more baths or visit the spa more and walk around nude with you know beautiful other women that you don't know, but you're just so in your body. Or maybe you want to you know, take more walks on the beach, whatever it is, like getting into our bodies is mm. so critical. I love I that tip. I, I know. <laughs> I would need a beach to be able to take a walk on a right, beach. I know. I live so by the beach. So of course I can say that, but you know, the woods, the, the whatever. <laughs> yeah. Marty, you can walk around Lake Minnetonka. You know? yes. yeah. Yeah. Not quite the, the same, lake. but yeah. But um, I love that you said that. I actually think that second tip is so important for women. Yes, I agree. Because when we feel good about ourselves, then we want to be in those relationships and also enjoy our partner being pleasured as well. So it's just, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Alicia, one question we like to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? Oh, I love that question. It really means to me, trusting myself and going where I'm drawn, doing what I want to do. Oh, I love that. It's so simple and so powerful for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, trusting ourselves and doing what you want to do. 
Right. Some Thank of us you. think, oh, That's- if I do what I want to do, I'm going to like eat Cheetos on the couch all day or whatever. Yeah, and, no. you know, but <laughs> we don't, I mean, maybe we want some Cheetos, but it's not, no, we, we can just go where we're drawn. We can trust ourselves. And I love I think, that word drawn. Like, I think that's, you know, it relates to like your gut, your, your in, insides, your soul. Mm-hmm. You're not in your head, right? You're going with where your body's pulling you. Yes. 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 And that all links up so nicely with what you, with what you said. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. This was so fun. We know that like I, this, I, we, we both feel that this is such an important topic. And so we've been trying to bring on more guests and we love what you're doing. And we might have to yeah. have a part two. <laughs> I, we, we may have to have a part I'd two. I'd be happy exactly. to. That'd be fun. Yeah. This yes. is very fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well. Mm-hmm.